Welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast, a podcast presented by the Homeschool Loft in De Pere, Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, book clubs and discussion groups, workshops and seminars, and a curriculum viewing library. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. My name is Tina Hollenbeck, and last time, my friend and colleague Jenny Tetzner and I briefly introduced ourselves and answered a few of the many questions we've heard about homeschooling over the years. Today, we'd like to help you get to know us even better by giving you a glimpse into our homeschooling lives through the years. We've each graduated both of our children from our homeschools, so we can speak about all the ages and phases we walked through as families. Jenny, why don't you start out by telling us a little bit about your homeschooling experience in your kids' baby, toddler, and preschool years. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Well, Noah was in first grade when we took him back home. Mm -hmm. He went to kindergarten at a local school. And one of the first things that was important to me, he wasn't reading at the time. Mm -hmm. And Madeline was four. So... The very first thing that was just so natural for us was to begin this reading adventure. And I call it an adventure. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about it is I had this thing in my mind of, if we can teach our children to read, we're going to make it. (laughs) This is going to be golden. And so, I mean, other than that, we just really had a great, natural, everyday life, just like I would do things at home as a parent, right? There was no Mm -hmm. different. We played. We went to the library every day. We went to the library Monday through Friday every day. Wow. We just loved it. We were the people that checked out at least a box of books because I had one of those totes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But for reading, I'm just going to say the two things that we used for reading because this is always a big one. And guess what? Sometimes your children... Don't use the same things. They don't They don't learn to read <laughs> the same way. Sometimes, how about like all the time? All the time. <laughs> so with Noah, there was a cute program called Starfall. Hmm. And I can't remember exactly the whole premise, but the thing was is there were little books. It was online, play games. And then there were little square readers, just little couple pages. And then I think it was something when he could read the book, then you get this little stuffed animal that matches the character in the book sold for Noah. He just skyrocketed. He learned to read and it was just beautiful. It just were it was simple. I didn't know much. I mean, I really didn't. We were just beginning. So, that was happened to be the thing that I saw. And so that was that. And then Madeline, we used the Ordinary Parents Guide to Teaching Reading. Now, she was 4. Hmm. She was only 4 years old. But that was how Madeline, she I tried the game thing with her. No, she didn't want to do the game thing. She sat right on my lap. And we had this one big, thick book, The Ordinary Parent's Guide to Teaching Reading. And I thought, I'm ordinary. I'm an ordinary parent. (laughs) You know, I didn't have a special degree in how to teach your children to read. So we did that. And that that was the reading thing. And then lap books. (laughs) Are you familiar, Tina, with lap books? Yes, we never did them, but I know what they are. Well, we were lap book people. (laughs) And what we did, it was basically like a unit study. You use the file folder, you kind of glue them together. So it makes one big, huge open folder. And you create little books on the inside and all these little flaps and cool things. And so you just pick a topic and learn all about the topic and make little books. And so that was lap booking, unit studies library trips every day, every single day. And then Joel would meet us on Mondays. I think it was Mondays. He would meet us at for lunch at like 11 o'clock. Hmm. So that was a special time. And we got signed up with GBOC. Mm-hmm. Right? Which is uh, one of the local homeschool groups here where we yes. live. That, and that was actually one of the first things that we did as okay. well, because we were just new to all of it. So this would have been Noah was first grade, but Madeline was still a preschool. Yeah, she was four. Mm-hmm. And then... Sunlight. We use sunlight. But that that was big for us because I have to say, we didn't even really dive into it. We basically just did, you know, learning to read. 
Mm-hmm. That was our big thing. And we, we had sunlight, but we didn't even delve right into it immediately. Mm-hmm. But we had it. Mm-hmm. In fact, I was so not knowledgeable about sunlight that I remember saying to another mom who just was starting her journey, I didn't even know how to order the what to do. We opened the catalog and I said, <laughs> Emily, can you help me? I don't know. What am I supposed to order? It was so overwhelming, but we did order it. We ordered the, and we just used the books mm-hmm. as we did as read alouds. And we weren't even that committed because like I said, for us, that beginning time was just pleasure. Mm-hmm. It would just felt so normal to me because it was no different than how we lived our life. Mm-hmm. We went to the library. We just painted Play-Doh shaving cream on the table. We did yeah. all of those things <laughs> and we just loved it. So that was our natural and held on to it. We, I mean, we had sunlight, but we were not right. committed. We just did whatever we wanted to with it. You know, I think, would you agree with me? that I think homeschool moms today feel like they have to start academics with their kids when they're like two years old. Yes. <laughs> and True. I would just say that I think that's a bold-faced lie that so many homeschool parents are buying into. And it's kind of funny that there's that many like formal curriculum packages for two and three-year-olds. But I fell into that a little bit because I mentioned last time we knew we were going to homeschool from the time that the girls were babies, but I was a recovering public school teacher and I had to undo the schoolish type thinking in my brain. So I did great when the girls were babies and toddlers because I'm like, no, we're not doing any curriculum. That's crazy. We're just going to play with the Play-Doh and, you know, we're going to do the puzzles and identify letters through putting the puzzles together and all that stuff. And as I was thinking about this, I kind of lost my mind when I started doing in-home childcare because in my mind, that made my home a school. And then I felt like, oh, I've got to like do these formal things because I'm taking care of other people's children too. And it was really incredibly stressful. Because then I started to fall into the mindset of, okay, Rachel's just turning five. She has to read tomorrow. And Abby might as well because she's four. And it really stressed me out. And I regret that time just because there was no need to be so anxious about everything. You know, like you said, the important thing is to live life with your little ones. And I tell parents all the time now, if you are, quote unquote, just getting up and having patterns through the day with your little ones and you're reading aloud to them a few times a day and you're letting them stand there, help you do some cooking or whatever it might be, going outside and talking to them about the bugs and maybe doing some arts and crafts if they're into that, you're, you're golden. Yes. But there's a lot of pressure these days, even more than when our kids were little to do quote unquote more than that. That's right. it's, It's so sad. It is sad. And you really you know, we, we are speaking to you, mom and dads out there. Society nowadays has this expectation on these little ones. And children need to be children. They are learning. They're always learning. They're taking everything. It is a natural process. Mm-hmm. But to try to do a curriculum with your little preschooler, that's, that's not even healthy. It's just not. It's, it comes so natural. Every time I tried to do that, and I tried several different things along the way, (laughs) the girls just wouldn't cooperate. And now I know it's because I was asking them to do things that were developmentally not appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. And that if I had just followed their natural lead and read and talked, and we did all of that, but I didn't feel like that was real unless I was doing these curriculum activities. And so that was a mistake I made. And I hope that I can convince other people not to do it. (laughs) Yeah. And can I just add, Talking about these lap books and unit studies, don't let the word unit study scare you because honestly, I have yet to really meet a preschooler who hates arts and crafts of some kind. I know that some kids don't like to get their hands in paint or messy things, but generally speaking, children create. And reading a book together and then creating something, and I'm talking about letting them create something, Yeah, it's so natural. Everybody just needs to calm their minds and their restless heart <laughs> because it will all come together. Just let the children be children, right? That's probably the biggest take. Wouldn't you say, Tina, is yes. just let your children, they're, oh, it's just such a precious little time and it goes so fast. Enjoy it. 
Yeah, Enjoy it does. And they're learning. If they're awake, they're learning. That's mm-hmm. something I didn't know when my girls were little and really hadn't thought about. But at that age, they're, if you're talking to them, they're learning vocabulary because yeah. their minds are sponges. Yeah. And all they need is a loving parents to just guide them through normal everyday life things. And they can't help but learn. That's right. I want to add something too, just about the reading. My kids, and here's another thing to remember. We can't be more clear. Every child learns differently. Amen. Every child. So what you use with one child, the other one might not like it. And that's okay because that's not how they learn. Some children enjoy doing little fun workbooks. Some do. So we're not, we're not here to knock workbooks. Mm-hmm. If your preschooler loves the fact that they have a thick workbook and they love to cut the pages and use their pencil and bring it with them, let them. It's okay. Mm-hmm. That's how they're expressing their, their love. And for Madeline, it's interesting. Like I mentioned, the, the Ordinary Parent's Guide to Teaching Reading. Well, because we were working with Noah with reading, of course, Madeline wanted to know how to read as well. And, you know, she would pretend she was reading and, you know, that whole thing of just, and that's all part of the learning. And so when I took out that book, she just loved it. I mean, she was all about it. Now, Noah, obviously, never. He would have never sat on my lap to do that. He was all about the stuffed animal and the, the game, the computer thing. So, yeah, it's just whatever works for your children and be okay about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the timing of it, too. You know, she was four and she was ready. Yeah. You know, remember last week I said that Abby was four and cognitively capable, but emotionally she just wasn't quite ready yet. Yeah. But when a month before she turned five, she was ready. Yes. Yet Rachel was learning since she was five and it didn't click till she was eight. But she's the more academic of the readers now, which is very interesting yeah, to me. Yeah, that is interesting. Yeah. What about moving into more like elementary school stuff? Did it change for you as your kids got beyond preschool? I would say that... So we, they were then both readers, which brought a whole nother aspect mm-hmm. for us. So we were library people. Mm-hmm. But now that they could read, we were library people, <laughs> which even just, we, we kind of continued on, you know, with the, the trips to the library. And we always had the, the lap books. We always just did that. Madeline loved doing that. And she would just create her own. I mean, she just, whatever she was interested in, she'd get her minute. Wait, are they called Manila? Manila folders? Yes. <laughs> Vanilla folders? Nope, it's Manila. Yeah, and she would create her own lap books. But now, at this time, believe it or not, and this is where we naturally swayed. So I'm going to repeat that. This is where the Tetzner family naturally swayed. I had this book called The Well-Trained Mind. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that, too, in a few moments. <laughs> the Big Thick Book. And it was just something I picked up at a homeschool convention we were at. I had no idea about anything. I just thought, I love big books, and I, and I cannot lie. I love big books, and I cannot lie. You didn't really go there. Yeah, I did. I accidentally did. But here's the thing is that book was so just appealing thick. to me. And I was so, yeah, it was thick. And I thought, the well-trained mind, this sounds great. And I was reading it, and it's by Susan Weisbauer. And... At the same time as getting that book, unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to me, I didn't even relate the two, I had already done The Ordinary Parent's Guide to Teaching Reading, Mm -hmm. and I also had picked up this book, First Language Lessons for the Well-Trained Mind and the Story of the World. (laughs) Well, I could not believe, and I know you guys, here's the thing is, you have to believe me. It didn't even dawn on me because I, you know, when you're rummage sales, things of the sort, you're just picking this book, you're picking that book. And whatever we were looks still, appealing exactly, to you, right? right. Yeah. So I had all those books on my shelf and I was using them with the kids. Well, it's all by the same person and her <laughs> mom. So I couldn't believe it. And I thought, well, I guess this is just the way I'm. And the kids loved it. Now, it, it was a little bit more rigid, mm-hmm. let's say, but my kids naturally did it. It wasn't even a question. They never... Mm-hmm. No, just what we did. And um, they especially loved writing with ease. That Noah loved writing with ease. That was just a thing. And by the way, he's still a writer today. So mm-hmm. that's why. But the story of the world, mm-hmm. well, he's a history boy. And it was such, it was so intriguing to both of them because Madeline's not necessarily the history girl, but she loved that mm-hmm. story of the world because it was just so, so natural for her. 
So yeah, by that time, yes, we were still going on field trips. Yes, we were going to the library. We were doing things, but we also added first language lessons, writing with ease, the story of the world. I was really then intrigued by this classical education thing. So I was pouring through, just reading everything I could get my hands on about the classical model of education. But for the same token here, we were still casual. We weren't, you know, it was just, we had some book work now and we sat still Mm -hmm. and I didn't have to harp on them. They just love to do it. It's what they love to do. And so, I mean, that's not to say we didn't, you know, oh, nope, we're actually going to go to the park. We're going to ditch writing with these and we're going to the park. Uh We were relaxed like that still. So I would say we were still relaxed homeschoolers at this point, but the kids knew what to do. They like to do it. Mm -hmm. I was very much, there's a time when you need to sit still Mm -hmm. and there's a time when we can go play. Right. And um, I think that was that teacher thing in me as well. (laughs) I just had that little bit of a thing, but. um, And that's not necessarily bad. No. I I think it's so hilarious that well-trained mind was your kind of like your wake up call that the classical model resonates and fits your family because so you and I were in the same local homeschool group and our kids are the same age. So we were in there, but we didn't know each other. Right. Right. Because our kids were the same age. And I don't know about you, but I was looking to the parents with older kids, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so you've been in this game for a few years. What should I do? And everybody that I met, now this is a 200 member family group. So they weren't all classical home educators, but everybody I met told me to get the well-trained mind and read it. So they were all classical homeschoolers. And I thought, well, okay, I want to be smart. I want my kids to be smart. Everybody that I'm I'm admiring their kids, I need to get this book. And I got it and I started reading it and I hated it. You slammed that big book right (laughs) shut. I hated it. And I thought, I can't do this. I mean, I'm a very intelligent person. I just hadn't, it didn't resonate with me. Right. And I tried some of the things with the girls. It didn't resonate with them either. But then for myself, this same group, so not everybody was a classical homeschooler because it doesn't matter what you are, you know, as far as your style in this group. And that's really a true thing, no matter where you are. It doesn't matter what style you use. You use the style that works for your kids. That's right. They sponsored a live seminar by a woman named Carol Joy Side. S E I D is how you spell her last name. And she's still doing webinars. Up until the start of the pandemic, she was still doing live things. So she might be getting back to that now. I don't know. And she's uh, created a DVD called Homeschool Made Simple that's put out by Compass Classroom. And so I went to this seminar and I'll tell you what, it was like a breath of fresh air. I spent the whole day listening to her talk about living books, which are using real books. So instead of reading a history textbook, You would read a biography about George Washington, Mm -hmm. maybe from with quotes from somebody who actually knew George Washington and beautiful literature. And Carol spent the whole day talking about that. And I came away from that really absorbing her philosophy, which I didn't know at the time is very, it's a different method. It's, It's very Charlotte Mason oriented. And I didn't know diddly about any of that. I just knew that what she was talking about resonated with me and it made sense to me. And so we kind of, I ditched well-trained mind. I eventually gave it to somebody at a used book (laughs) sale or something. I don't know. And it's not a bad book, Yeah, but I really started absorbing different Charlotte Mason things. Mm -hmm. And so I really didn't know what I was doing again, just kind of picking and choosing and hit and miss. But one of the resources, I don't know if you've ever used this, but we used Queen Language Arts, Mm. Queen Queen Homeschool. And that is a very Charlotte Mason oriented resource. So instead of using like the first language lessons, we were doing the Queen stuff. We we, we used that too. (laughs) Loved it. Right. All part of the journey. Um, But I'll tell you what, and Jenny mentioned this before, if quote unquote school style workbooks are Mm -hmm. what works for your kid, that's fine too. You know, it's it's not about one style being better than another. And it's not even about using one style. Even now this day, I mean, I was not. Eventually, I moved into being what I call a whatever works for each child on any particular day homeschooler. Amen. You know, so eclectic is yeah. the technical term for that. I think anytime if you hardcore try to stick your kids into one method, mm-hmm. you're going to have a mistake. That's right. Right. Because our kids are not a method. You adapt the method to meet your kids, not the other way around. And so a lot of Charlotte Mason stuff resonated with myself and my kids. 
a lot of classical stuff resonated with you and your kids, yes. but it was never a matter of we're only going to do one thing. Right. And I would say a little later, so after we we were doing those books and I was really researching the classical model, but still new to it, mm -hmm. well, I ran across a Heart of Dakota mm. uh, catalog. Yes. Love Heart of Dakota. Okay. So <laughs> then we, done, sold. We went straight to Heart of Dakota. And why? Why did we do that? What? You left everything classical? Nope. Just in the mood for Heart of Dakota. <laughs> we loved books. I knew that was the thing. Mm -hmm. And remember I said, sunlight, we kind of were doing a little bit in the beginning, but the kids were so little. It wasn't, it was just, we used their books and right. the whole entire teacher's guide. Nope. We didn't even do that. We just, <laughs> I did it however. And, uh -huh. and that's what you have to do. It's really letting the children lead. And I don't mean let them run wild. And I no. don't mean there's no, no boundary, but I'm not going to force them mm -hmm. because I could throw marshmallows at their head. And unless they want to learn something, it's not going to happen. It's about becoming students of your children. Absolutely. Not somebody else's kids, but really learning how God has wired yeah. the children he's entrusted to you. Yeah. And then responding to that. Yes. So they lead in the sense that we're watching what they're like. Yeah. And then going from there, we're still in charge. Yeah. And I think that's one of the hardest things that parents have a hard time doing. And until you can break that, until you can have enough faith that God has given all of us a desire to learn at all the time, right? You, you have to have faith that your children, really, they want to learn. They yeah. do want to learn. You have to let go a bit of your mindset of this indoctrination that it, it only goes one way. You can only do it this way. And if you veer off any other way, it's not going to work. If the, the lesson plan says you need to do five lessons, you know, Monday through Friday, you can't come up with... <laughs> You can't think, oh my goodness, we missed two of them. He's going to, that's it. We can't, uh, you know what? He's six, he's, but we're done. He's so behind. Let's get rid of that. That's not uh, truth. You have to make it, because whether you're there or not, they're going to learn, mm -hmm. regardless of anything. I was going to say something else, but I totally forgot what I was going to say. But back to that heart of Dakota, loved it. Here's an example of the workbook thing, though. Math. Okay. So math is always a scary one for everybody, but... um. <laughs> We actually started with Saxon math, believe it or not. Wow. And I mean, I just thought that's what you did. I mean, it was Saxon right. math and it was a big thing. I would see him at the homeschool conventions. And that was very big with classical circles it and really, you were in that circle. Yeah. So yeah. Well, this was actually before the circle, believe that. But I think she talks about it in Well-Trained Mind. She's yeah, pretty she big does. on it. You're right. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. That is why we did it. Okay. So we did that. Noah, not a fan <laughs> in the least bit. And because for whatever reason, so then we switched and I think Madeline was just still a little bit too, too little to care about it. But we switched. Noah did Matthew C. Okay. And that's with all of the little... Um, oh, yeah. We're familiar. I'll talk about that too. <laughs> okay. So there we were. And I, listen, I learned math like I couldn't believe it. I thought, wow, this makes perfect sense to me. I get it. And Mr. Demi kind of became, you know, the kids just loved him. He just became like this, what do you call it? Icon? Icon, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And one of my girls who shall remain nameless, remembering I have two yeah. daughters, had a crush on Mr. Demi. A lot of people do. They hated the math, yeah. but they had a crush on him. Yeah. Well, and I'll tell you what, because you go to the homeschool convention, like the Tetzners faithfully did, and there's Mr. Demi, because in math you see the children watch a video mm -hmm. and they get to see Mr. Demi teaching and he really just becomes part of your family and, you know, the whole thing. Well, so every year at the homeschool convention, my kids were real quiet, but I think Joel and I were more excited and we'd be like, get over there. One time we brought some- Did you have an autograph book? Yeah. Well, we brought some friends with us and we brought their kids with us and um, we, we made the kids. They were all real shy. They wanted to see him, but they were shy, but we pushed them all over there and said, get over there. We were going to take your picture. But all that to say is um, Madeline really did not like Matthew C. either. Mm -hmm. so she, we were done doing Matthew C. That's not how her brain, you know, yep. computed. It almost made it more difficult for her. She just was not computing. For my girls too. It made them cry. Yeah. Very frequently. Um, it just wasn't a method that suited them. And we tried it for a few years and it was just not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we, I ended up finding um, Horizons Math. 
Now, mm-hmm. somebody might say Horizons math, but that's just so workbookish. Yep. Yep. That was exactly how Madeline, mm-hmm. she loved that. And, and that one actually was a little, it was a step up from Sunlight because, or not Sunlight, but Saxon. Saxon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's late and we just got done eating hamburgers and hot dogs or hamburgers <laughs> and bread. So Saxon math was colorless. It was just black and white pages. Mm-hmm. So Horizons had color on the pages. A workbook. Madeline loved it. So she just stuck with that. Noah did Matthew C. And you know, if I there was a curriculum that I would totally have tried if I'd heard about it at the time, Christian Light Education. Their math. I've seen the book since, and I'm like, I think my girls would have been all over that. Mm. Little workbooks, not tons of color. It's a Mennonite company, but illustrations, little work texts, you get like, I don't know, five or six books per grade level. So it's not a big, fat, hardcover textbook. Yeah. Because yeah, we did the Matthew C thing. It totally confused them. When we got to Gamma, (laughs) we just stopped. Yeah. And we ended up switching to teaching textbooks about Mm -hmm. when they were maybe 10 and 11. And Mm -hmm. that now, neither of my girls likes math and probably never will. One of them has never met a math curriculum she likes, and that's just the way she's going to be. But teaching textbooks was a game changer for them. There was something, it's a tr- traditional algorithm. So like Horizons, it's just kind of straight up, even though it's video lessons, it's just kind of straight up. Here's the facts. Here's what you do. And then you get done and you move on. Yes. You know, nothing tricky. And I think, you know, their, their brains are not wired as mathematical thinkers. Mm-hmm. They're wired in other ways. You know, like Saxon, I think, works for kids who are like mathematically wired. Yeah. So. The old fashioned Right. The fashion way to do it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, guess what happened next? What is the what is the next? So that was we were still in elementary. Yeah, we're still doing elementary. So see? And I was all over the place. So, you know, we um after I went to the Carol Joy Side seminar, kind of tried a bunch of different things. I tried a Konos unit study, which was really cool, but took like twice as long to plan as actually to implement. So that was a little difficult. Because I was doing in-home babysitting as well as taking care of the girls. I'm like, well, this isn't really going to work. And then we did Hard Dakota for a little while. And then somebody told me about my father's world. So we ended up using that for a couple of years because it was advertised as more of a Charlotte Mason. Because I was feeling for a couple of years that I was just flying by the seat of my pants. I didn't really know what I was doing. I'm like, I just like living books. But, you know, how do you do math and everything else, right? So my father's world was a good transition point for us for a couple of years. And the first year, I just remember it was a great year. We did American history and geography. So it was there. It would be kind of equivalent to a second grade type program. So the girls were seven and eight when we were doing that. Wonderful books, wonderful games. We did a recipe for every state. I gained so much weight that year. It was hilarious. Been there, done that. Yeah, I had to go to the Y double. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And then we went on to the next year and it was their world geography curriculum. And it was good, but I found, and I'm not really quite sure why, but I had to start substituting things out. The first year I used everything from my father's world straight up. And I thought, this is my thing for the rest of our school careers. We're just going to do it. And then that year, there's nothing wrong with the curriculum, but it just, I was like, yeah, this doesn't really fit. I think in hindsight, what was happening was as I was becoming more mature as a homeschool parent, and that does happen over time, can't help it, kind of like you can't help what your kids learn. I was seeing how my kids were wired as learners. And so therefore, even though these curriculum companies put together these great packages, they didn't know my kids. And so I had to make substitutions and I didn't, I shouldn't have felt guilty about it. I kind of did. So I did that. And then we, we bought the curriculum for the next year. It would have been the very beginning of world history. I think the girls were like nine and 10 at that point. We lasted a week. I bought the whole package. The history spine that they had at the time, I have no idea if it's the same thing. It was a high school level history and it was a boring high school level history. And then the science was very weird too. And after a week, I'm like, we're done. Yep. But I was panicking because here I had thought I'm committed to this package for the rest of our lives. Yeah. And what am I going to do? And I was in an online group at the time and my friend, Deborah, who's in Arizona, Deborah, if you're listening, hello. She messaged me. I was must have been complaining or or, or whining, like, what am I going to do? And she said, Tina, let me call you. From Arizona, what? Yeah, no, I'm two hours behind you. Let me call you. Yeah. So she was on the phone with me for like two hours one night, and she talked me off the ledge, and she said, it is okay if you pick and choose and you don't use a package. And she recommended for history, The Mystery of History mm-hmm. by Linda Hobar. 
And that was one of my, our most favorite, favorite, favorite things. We went through the whole thing twice. So when I finally was convinced by Deborah that I needed to do this switch and that I wasn't being disloyal to anybody, you know, and we started the mystery of history. Oh my goodness. That was a a life changer for us. Mm. You know, kind of like when you discovered classical for some reason, the the way that that series is written and the activities and this and that, it just, because I like the history based things, you know, literature and history are kind of where we, we resonate. So yeah, so that was, but just kind of floundering around yeah, <laughs> and realizing you don't have to stick with a package. Yeah. You can, but you don't have to. Yes. that That's a huge, bold statement. Mm-hmm. People think, and we're, we are those people, <laughs> yes. right? That you have to stick with that one thing. But once you find your way, yeah. once you get rid of that toxic thinking, and once you just, you're so free, yeah. it's just, it makes your day smooth and easy. And there's so much out there that I just love it. I mean, you know, preparing for this podcast, going through all of Madeline's stuff and just kind of looking, I thought, ah. Oh. Like if we could do it all over again? Yes. <laughs> I would do it all over oh again goodness, a thousand yes. billion times. Did you find that as your kids got older and you got more confidence? Yeah. That you relied maybe less and less on formal curriculum? Absolutely. Mm. And can I just say, I was thinking about this while you're talking. I was the type of person, and I'll bet you were too, I loved planning. I just loved looking for, you know, putting together unit studies. And we we did Heart of Dakota, but I was so confident in Heart of Dakota. You know, it taught me to feel confident. Yes. Because the little planning boxes. Yeah, the planning boxes. My father's world was the same way. Mm -hmm. The little planning grid was like, this is cool. Even when I left my father's world, I made up a a grid just like that. It was like a teaching thing. It 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 gave me the confidence to say, oh, well, I skipped these two boxes and everything's still great. House didn't blow up. We're okay. (laughs) Or I would cross off a book and then write my own and it was in the box. So everything was really good and I just felt confident. And um, that's a necessary step. And the more that you get there, the more that you see, (laughs) honestly, whatever that is you choose to do with your kids, when your heart is in it, when you are passionate about it, when you are fully present with your children, your day will go good. You could be using who knows what, Mm -hmm. you know, a a piece of paper and a pencil that's blank. But when your heart's there, your kids are going to thrive you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. So what about middle school? You're getting into those years because, you know, we're getting to the scary part now, right? Yeah. Well, (laughs) we went from heart of Dakota. I have to say, then we, we started our classical conversation. Okay. Okay. So around that time. So uh, yeah, so it was, it was getting to be like the end of elementary a little bit. And what happened was, I may have my timing off here. Was it the end of elementary? I'm not sure. All I know is this. We got introduced to classical conversations. Mm-hmm. There was a director that came here and I saw her name. I think it was on the GBAC website. Yeah, she was advertising because she had come from a community where they she was either in it or a director there. And she was stunned that there was no classical conversations yes. in our town. Yes. So she started it. <laughs> yep. And I thank her because mm. it just got used her so big into my life. I'd already dappled in with the classical method. Anyway, and I was just always intrigued by it, but I was also happy with Heart of Dakota. And so my friend said, uh, she's going to have a meeting. You need to come with me, Jenny. Let's do it. And I was like, well, I'm not sure that I want to. I just wasn't in the mood to go that night is really what it came down to. And I really did love Heart of Dakota. And I had read The Well-Trained Mind. And I had that. (laughs) But then I thought, you know what? Yes, I'm going to go. And um, learned everything there was to know about the classical model of education. Well, just kidding. It was everything about classical conversations. And she just really helped put it all into perspective in the sense of, so this would be easier for me instead of <laughs> getting out the big book, <laughs> somebody would be helping with this. So long story short, without that's a whole nother podcast, we signed up for classical conversations. And both of the children were in foundations. And I think it was by the second year that I tutored foundations and I absolutely loved it. I just loved it. And they were also in essentials of the English language and they loved that. We, we just had a great time. It was a great fit for our family. 
it really helped me. I'll say again, and I know I mentioned it last time, it really helped me to understand that it wasn't that I, I didn't know things because I, I was just dumb. Mm-hmm. It was just that I didn't know the grammar of the subject. Mm-hmm. And so I really got to understand just how a person learns through the trivium. And so we did classical conversations and we, we loved it. We did it right up until Noah, Noah was in challenge A and I tutored challenge A that year. Mm-hmm. And then um, Madeline was still in foundations. And then the second year of challenge, I tutored challenge A again and got Noah signed up for challenge B, but then we decided the kids were going to go to Providence and that's where all stuff. So the kids, uh-huh. uh, we're going to go to Providence Academy and... Which is a classical Christian school in our Yes, town. yes. And then I ended up teaching first grade there. And Madeline went there in seventh grade and eighth, the majority of eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And Noah, uh, ninth and tenth. Okay. And it was beautiful and wonderful and just a very humongous part of our story. Huh. So we loved that. Mm-hmm. And it was... That was a big change because we had homeschooled all the way up. Right. But I felt because we were doing classical conversations, it was such a natural go-to anyway. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that we knew there were homeschoolers as well. So mm-hmm. it just felt like a natural thing. And and the classical model we were just in love with. So, mm-hmm. Did you think when you signed up that your kids were going to graduate from Providence instead of homeschooling? I did think that. Okay. Yeah. And I thought for sure that, you know, it was definitely... They were both ecstatic in mm. the beginning. And then as we went on, Noah was probably still ecstatic. <laughs> but then for Madeline, it just it was a tough switch for her. It was just it was a tough switch because we had homeschool. We never did grades yeah. or anything like that. And even with classical conversations, you know, though they would have a tutor, it was still I was the parent doing the work at home with, with them. And and so we ended up actually taking Madeline out after eighth grade mm-hmm. and a little bit before eighth grade actually ended. And then Noah a little bit after that. But we all say as a family, I mean, it was just so, such a part of God's plan. Mm-hmm. It was such a part of God's plan for our life. Mm-hmm. And and just teaching first grade, oh, <laughs> I just loved it. And I just, it's a great school. We love the school and the kids met a lot of friends that they still connect with all the time. Mm-hmm. So it was just a part of God's path right. for us. So most of Madeline's middle school years and then the beginning of Noah's high school years yes. were there. Yep. 10th and, grade is when he and then you guys came him out. home again, right? Yeah. And then we came home again. <laughs> yes. So you actually were using curriculum during those years, but it wasn't yours. That's exactly right. Right. Yes. They were having a whole different experience. So. Yeah. And we were kind of too. I mean, we were getting a little bit um, in the middle school years, still going through mystery of history. It's so funny because as the girls got older, and you experienced this, I know, in high school when when you brought the kids home, the girls were getting more and more independent with lots of different things, you know. So I had started them on a reader's workshop program where I, I really just made that up myself. I had actually made it up when I was teaching at the public middle school and high school and nobody knew what to do with ESL at that time. And I just created it. (laughs) But it was a thing where the kids would read their books that they chose, and then they had some assignments and some things that they had to do with it, but I didn't ever assign a literature book to them. I assigned, you must be reading something, you know? So we were doing things like that, and they were getting, I had them be uh, doing their science independently, and of course the math was teaching textbooks, so that was independent. But it was so funny, and they laughed at me, but I said, I'm not giving up history, we're going to sit together and read Mystery of History together <laughs> every single day until we get to the last lesson of volume four. Oh, so good. <laughs> and they would laugh and laugh and laugh because I would cry at certain points. I'm like, Mom, that wasn't even a sad story. Well, it was to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, but they were becoming more and more independent, you know, yeah. and I, in my mind, I've got the, not stressed. I don't know if you've probably talked to a lot of homeschool parents who are stressed about the impending high school years. Yeah. I wasn't stressed about them. I was just thinking, okay, what next? You know, because we're going to finish this mystery of history thing. We're wrapping up some other things that kind of go through middle school. And then what? Mm-hmm. And I don't know, you experienced that a little differently because you had Madeline in school for the two years. So she started high school at home again, right? Yep. So she was, she's been, was home ninth through 12th. Okay. 
and so. then Noah for two years. Yep, so how did you transition everybody back to home? Because uh, that must have been interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that I, you know, at the time I didn't know that would be a thing. Mm-hmm. I just thought it would be a seamless part of our life. Sure. So yeah, we homeschooled, we went to Providence Academy, we come back home, everything's great and everything's <laughs> good. But um, it was really difficult for my girl specifically. Mm-hmm. I think it was real hard for her. Everybody was just so great, all her teachers and everybody was so great at Providence, but she just, for herself, well, she was at that weird age anyway, where I think girls have a hard, harder time. You know, you're finding out who you are and you're trying to yeah. be accepted with all your friends and we never did grades. Mm-hmm. So she got to feeling kind of bad about herself mm-hmm. because her grades weren't really reflecting the most positive thing, <laughs> even though it was. And we tried to tell her Madeline and even they would say there, you know, just after having talked to the headmaster and everything and even Mr. Young saying, Who's a homeschool dad, by the way. He's amazing. Yes, he is amazing. And so, but yeah, it was the great thing. She just was starting to believe because the grade would reflect who she was, right? She she would take that bad grade or that failing of a test and really put it on herself that she really wasn't smart and comparing the comparison trap happened. And she was just kind of comparing herself to where the other kids were and she wasn't doing the best in Latin. And I was telling her, you know, trying to explain to her, Madeline, it's not that. It's that you weren't, you know, you started here in this school in this grade, you know, in seventh grade. And so while we were, she was soaring with classical conversations, it's not that we did the same exact levels at that time. Yeah. So she was still kind of in the grammar stage in Latin, Mm -hmm. whereas there, you know, they were beyond just the memorization and all of that. So when she- But that's hard when you're 11, 12 years old to really understand that. Absolutely. So when she came home, we immediately just didn't, we were scrambling, right? We, I was thinking, well, we have to continue on. We, we, so, you know, it's saying to my husband, babe, you know, Joel and I remember we spent hours upstairs on his computer, just mm-hmm. pouring through all of these different curriculums and what, we're, what are we going to do? And thinking that it would just be whatever it was, she would love it. Okay. And so actually with the both of them, I had, I had gotten this. Timber Doodle okay. catalog. Okay. Uh-huh. And that's pretty much, they kind of put the whole entire grade level together for you. Not classical though. So that's not, interesting. Not classical. <laughs> nope. Mm-mm. And because she was really down on herself to begin with, we thought, well, we're going to do this. And they just pick and choose all these different things. Yeah. Didn't work. Terrible. <laughs> she didn't, didn't go over. And she, coming from a more rigorous way of learning, mm-hmm. she felt that she needed to be doing the hardest books Mm. known to man. (laughs) So she wanted me to get her a book that was advanced human anatomy. Okay. And I was trying to explain to her, well, I don't think we did the basic or (laughs) the first level. (laughs) Right. But she just had this mindset that she just wanted to get there. Mm -hmm. You know, she just had to be there because, and listen, we did not teach her this. And nor did that school. This is something Madeline just kind of took upon herself. And so I tried to then introduce. So that that didn't work. The timber doodle <laughs> stuff, we scrapped it all. Mm-hmm. And we kind of just had to find our footing again. And we had to really just build up Madeline's confidence of, Madeline, you are smart. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just teaching her not to, to compare herself. So anyway, we, that's when thinking tree. Insert thinking tree. Okay. This is how we needed. <laughs> And thinking tree is, don't want to call it a curriculum. It's a, it's a, it's a way of learning. It's a self-driven. How would you, how would you describe it? I'm a bad describer. On the Homeschool Resource Roadmap, we label those kind of books as delight-directed, guided unschooling. And there it was. Because it's, kind, it's child-led, right? Yes. Um, the in, interest-led by what they're... Right. Except that it's still, there's still some structure. So... And I'm probably going to talk about that in a minute, too, because people have a wrong definition of unschooling. They think it's letting your yeah. kids run wild. And that's not it at all. Nope. But those books are like, yes, they're like guided, interest-based. They're structure, but the child gets to kind of go to town within the structure, yeah. right? Yep. So we ordered all of them. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, no, she was not even responding. Really? Didn't even respond. I mean, she would do it. Madeline yeah. was just a sweet girl, and she never like bucked me. Meaning she would do the work, Mm -hmm. but she was still feeling bad and she was still just 
it wasn't joyful. It wasn't like it was during classical conversations and everything prior to that. It just, it was different. And so um, we did it, you know, but it was just half-hearted. And she, I remember going, because the thing is, is you get to choose which book. So yes, you might do history, but then, well, Madeline, whatever you want to learn about in history, let's go to the library and pick some history books. Mm-hmm. She overwhelmed. She wanted me to pick them all yeah, because she just felt overwhelmed about it. So that was that. We got through it, but then that was that. But then the next year, I'm just going to say, and I don't even know that we're there at this age level yet, but then at the next year, she, we found Omnibus, which is... Veritas Press, right? Veritas Press. Classical education. There you are. You're circling back again. A great books course covering history, theology, and literature. Hmm. And so that brought Madeline that peace, Hmm. that joy, that's who she is. Hmm. And so that's what we did. And that was the beginning. And and that's a whole other podcast as well, right? It's just that whole de-schooling thing. Did Noah do that too? So Noah, he did not grasp. He was, he was pretty easy about it, right? He, yeah. he did really well with Providence, loved it. But we did bring him to home, and he that was in 10th grade, so he, I knew any history thing would be great for him. And so yeah. we picked Notgrass, world history, and, which has a lot of different literature components to it and everything. And he did that, and it was really great. And on the side, that's when he got into podcasting. Mm-hmm. So he was creating, my husband had bought Noah a whole bunch of podcasting equipment, and he kind of set it all up and Joel helped him a little bit. And Noah was really, he had read a book with his teacher. I'll give a shout out to him. Mr. Garkey works at Providence Academy <laughs> History. And um, Mr. Garkey, the, the students were reading, I'm not even sure what the book was, but it was about the Vikings. Mm-hmm. And Noah would come home and read us little blurbs of the book. And so this had led him to do his podcast. So he started the Vikings podcast, the history of the Vikings, mm-hmm. just all on his own. Mm-hmm. And what he ended up doing was he would get on the phone, Tina, and he would call Oxford University <laughs> professors. As and, a 16-year-old kid. Yes. <laughs> and he would ask them to be a guest on his mm. The History of Vikings podcast. Mm-hmm. He would call Yale professors <laughs> and ask them, would they be a guest on his podcast? He was pouring into Norse literature mm. and doing everything I would not know how to do or be too scared to do. It just came natural to him. So he really became an unschooler in the sense of he was guiding his own learning. Yes. 100% because he was internally motivated and that's just where it went with him. Yeah. And so then with this podcast, we thought, well, I mean, he's getting educated by all these professors at Yale and Oxford and all of them. Yeah. And on the side, and then he became a guest on other people's podcasts Mm -hmm. because they could not believe this (laughs) 16-year-old was... How in the world did you get this podcast? So many listeners, and I'm not right. good with the numbers or anything, but just suffice it to say, his podcast went humongous. It just yeah. exploded all over. And to the point where they invited him to be a guest on you know, a Viking cruise ship so that he could, <laughs> he could be the media. They, he, they wanted him to take a trip to York, hmm. which he did with my husband. And he got to talk to Professor Adaman, he just got to do amazing things with this. And, and then he was a guest on other people's podcasts about unschooling. I mean, he talked about unschooling. Yeah, we yeah. never called it unschooling. I mean, right. we just... Well, because uh, let, let's circle back to that. People have this idea that yeah. unschooling means doing nothing and not even parenting. Yeah. And it's a crazy term. It was coined, well, it's crazy now. It was not coined to be crazy. It was coined by John Holt, right? Yes. And he's one of the, the modern day heroes among homeschoolers. John Holt and Raymond Moore are the two people that you need to read if you have not read their stuff. And John Holt was a, um, uh, he had been a teacher in schools and he saw how schools were damaging kids. I hate to say it that way, but that's what he saw because they kind of were treated like products on an assembly line. And that's what he saw. And these were private schools that he was part of and he still saw it. So I didn't know the story for a long time, but he was watching TV one day and he saw a commercial for 7-Up. The Uncola was the ad campaign that they had at the time. And that was what the 7-Up campaign was for a long time. 7-Up, the Uncola. The idea was it is a real soft drink, but it's not a cola. And he thought that was brilliant. 
this idea of education and learning that he had in his mind where children would be able to have a say in what they learned, how they learn, and why shouldn't they? I mean, if we love our kids, we want them to, to say, have a say in what they learn. So he was not at all by any means saying, let your children run wild. Yeah. But his idea was, okay, unschooling is a real education delivered in a way that does not look like what happens in the schools. That's all he meant. So, and you give your kids some choice. So we did that when the girls were in high school too. It was, it was kind of funny, but you know, my theory was, and this is the opposite of what a lot of people do. I think you probably agree. You know, they're like, let my child run wild during the elementary school years and then clamp down when they're in high school and make them do this four-year college prep program. And that's when they tighten up. And I saw so many of my friends do that where all of a sudden these, these families who had been relaxed homeschoolers, Charlotte Mason homeschoolers, unit studies, all these cool, cool things. And the kids were doing well with those methods. All of a sudden, the parents came home and plunked on a whole bunch of boring textbooks and said, now you're doing high school. And I thought that was just the opposite. Because as kids are becoming teenagers, they're abstract thinkers. They're beginning to really get a sense, not all the time and not immediately, but they're beginning to get a sense of who God has wired them to be. And so my feeling was, and I was considered radical in our group, (laughs) my feeling was as they show they're being responsible, teenagers should be given more and more choice in what they learn, how they learn it, not less. Yes. And so that's what we did with the girls. You know, I sat them down and I said, okay, you know, our homeschool law says we need to have these kinds of subjects. We're going to do that. We're not following public school graduation requirements, God forbid. And we had decided that what we were planning for was that if they wanted to, they could immediately enroll in a two-year community college after high school. We made a conscious decision to not prepare them, so to speak, for a four-year college because those freshman admissions requirements are stupid. Yeah. (laughs) You know, if God is calling you to be a, I don't know, let's pick something in the humanities. You know, if he's calling you to be a history professor, why do you need calculus as a Mm 17-year-old? You really don't. And so we had decided we are not going to make our kids jump through all those hoops because they're nonsensical. And what I learned is if you go to a community college and you get an associate's degree, use that degree to transfer into a bachelor's program without having to take calculus or all those other courses that they make the freshmen have. Yeah. So we decided that was our path. So I told the girls, I said, so we're going to look at the community colleges. We're going to look at that and we're going to make sure you're ready for that. But within that broad framework, what's, what, do you, what do you want? Yeah. You know, you choose. Okay, I want you to have a civics curriculum at some point. Here's a bunch of options. What do you want? And here's what's funny, because unschooling means going with what the children resonate with. I picked a video program because the girls were kind of like, well, I don't know. You pick. So I picked this, what I thought was going to be a cool video program. Turns out the guy was pretty boring, but I thought it would be more engaging. And Abby was just like, uh, he's boring, but I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to do that. And Rachel was like, I can't stand this. Please yeah. let me do something different. And here I was trying to be all creative, right? And I said, okay, well, here's some other options. I showed her the list on the roadmap and she looked and of all things, she chose not grass, which is a wonderful curriculum. Yeah, It's very traditional. It's yes. very textbooky, but here that's what fit her. Yeah. So to be an yeah. unschooler type person yes. with her, I had to let her choose a textbook. Yeah. Can Hilarious. I can I say <laughs> that I was okay, so here's my son who is yes, we did the knotgrass thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All the while I'm really focused on Madeline because we're trying to get everything back. <laughs> and he's together. just traveling to York and right? you don't even exactly. know. Exactly. Right? <laughs> and I, I'm I'm, you know, I found out that he was invited to be a guest on on someone's podcast. I mean, he was on the Tom Wood show and all of these, wow. I can't, you can just type his name in. Noah Tetzner <laughs> and you'll see. But I heard that he was going to do this uh, show about, you know, this uns, you know, unschooling. And, and that's really was the, the guy that was asking him all these questions. And it was all about unschooling. And I, th- I was humiliated in my heart. I was like, <laughs> he can't be talking about unschooling. Because I had a very negative idea of unschooling. That running rampant thing, yes, right? Yes. I thought, no, you are classically educated. We are not unschoolers. You, you don't just run wild. We don't do these things. Now, listen, all the while, here's my son <laughs> educating himself. He's unschooling yeah. in your basement and you I don't even know. no <laughs> idea even of the term, right? Yes. We, we need to define terms. And that unschooling 
has, you know... I mean, it, it, it's a shame. Don Holt meant it for a certain thing. Yes. It has been co-opted and the term has really been abused in a bad way so that people don't want to use the term. But the beauty, the concept behind it is beautiful. It is beautiful and yeah. it's proof. I mean, yeah. we are living proof. We have this proof before us called our children, right? Yes. And with Madeline, I mean, honestly, she, the omnibus thing, mm-hmm. that was her way. That was her thing. She loved it. It was organized, yes. It was textbook, yes. There were a lot of books that she had to read, hard books. Yet that was her blood. That was her heartbeat. She loved that. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to make Madeline do work. She loved to do it. Mm -hmm. She wanted to do it all the time. And it gave her peace, and it was how she learned. So do you see what is the difference between letting your children run amok while you're, (laughs) you know, cleaning the house or doing whatever? I would say there needs to be boundaries. Mm-hmm. There has to be boundaries. Unschooling doesn't mean letting your kids run amok. No. It means having a boundary, giving them yeah. different choices, right. seeing how they naturally learn, kind of following their lead. Exactly. Where does it bring them? You right. know, but so. also still being the parent. I mean, you don't give yeah. up parenting. Exactly. You still have to do that. And again, like you said, boundaries. So, you know, in high school, I would say by the real definition, we unschooled. But what that meant was sitting down and saying, okay, here are here's the things that the homeschool law says we must accomplish. Here are the values that dad and I have. And so for my husband, for example, he's a history nut. And so he just wanted the girls to be doing history all the time. Yeah. So my daughters, this is this is crazy. They have four credits of world history and one credit of American history on their high school transcripts. Yet they have, quote unquote, just two science credits because our family values. So we made sure that they had a baseline education and everything. And so we set that boundary. We're like, you're not going to not do any math. First of all, we would have been in violation of the homeschool law if we had not had done any math in high school, but we did math our own way. And we made sure that it met the girls' needs because they're not wired to do tons of that. We still did it. You know, they couldn't just do anything they wanted. But yet by not making them do unnecessary busy work, they had a lot of free time to explore their passions and interests that necessarily yeah. that weren't necessarily within the the core subject areas either. Yeah. You know, so lots of music credits and yeah. lots of and extracurricular activities and having a job. Yes. And they had time for all of that. Yeah. That's good. The like extracurricular thing too, because yeah. both of my children were involved in theater. Yes, my girls too, you know that. <laughs> yeah. And and especially Madeline. And so mm-hmm. that was another beautiful thing because, you know, we can that's part of Learning, and that was a, a rigid part. I thought, I mean, that that theater is a dedication, and they yeah. just learned so much. Well, that gets us to just the senior year, and I have to say <laughs> this for Madeline because, and she lives happily ever after, <laughs> because it was hard when she, you know, that de-schooling thing, that part where she had to find her courage again and get back to knowing that she is indeed a smart girl and um, always loved learning. Mm-hmm. So she she got back on track, and after Omnibus, which she loved, loved, it, w- it would be her senior year, which was just this past year. She just graduated less than a month ago, yeah, right? Yeah, The youngest of our four. <laughs> yep. And so she, we thought, well, what can we do for the last, we want to go out with a bang. And so Thinking Tree. She we went, went back. We went back to Thinking Tree, but oh. she wanted to, and it's because her passion was back. Yeah. And so- the Thinking Tree books is, so say it again, because you say it so well, what's written on your oh, roadmap. Oh, Del- Delight Directed Guided Unschooling. Yes. And Madeline was able to choose the book. She she did writing. She also is a great writer, and she chose to focus on literature and writing. She loves that. And she did a lot of C.S. Lewis. She absolutely mm-hmm. loves C.S. Lewis. She probably has every single book. I'm not even kidding. She <laughs> loves C.S. Lewis. Philosophy Adventures, that was another one that she just loved. Mm -hmm. Psychology, Philosophy Adventures was a great one that was about write skillfully, think critically, speak articulately. So that was great. And we ended it with a bang. She she just flourished in all of that. It was so good. It was just such a blessing from the Lord that we were able to wrap that all up with her with self-directed learning. Yeah. She chose this stuff. So she came into that. So I know we're almost here at the end, but let's uh, briefly 
tell our listeners what each of our kids is up to now because oh. they're all high school graduates they at this are. point. So we did it. We're living proof it can be done. Yes, we are. Um, well, Noah, who's 20, is currently, um, he still does podcasting. He helps mm-hmm. other people start podcasts. He's actually in the works of wanting to start his own business, I guess you could say. He's written some books. So he's kind of doing that. And he's in the process of getting all of that together and just really helping other people with their podcasts. And, and he still has his podcast out there. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. what he's doing. In fact, he's really excited coming up here in just, uh, I think it's a week now. He's going to be going to Hillsdale College for, for fun. He's just going <laughs> to go there for some studies that they have there during the summertime. Yep. There's a name for it. I can't think of it, but he is thrilled. He just, cool. history. Yep. He, lo- he loves, this is a homeschool thing totally, but he can't wait to be just surrounded by older people mm-hmm. who also love history. And that so that's cool. Yeah, that's that what he's cool. going to do. Yeah. And Madeline is, she's getting ready to start uh, at Liberty University online. Mm-hmm. She's going to do the online and she, she wants to study criminal justice. Huh. Yeah. So that's her thing right now. So we're in the process of getting that all set up and it should be starting. And then she's going to be helping out her dad with some, we have a business. Mm-hmm. He's a real estate appraiser. So Madeline's going to be learning the ropes there. There you go. Rachel is also 20. She's what, 11 days younger than Noah. Yes. And she, um, you know, this was a resiliency thing for her because all the COVID stuff derailed her plans. She was planning to go to a missions-oriented Bible college right after high school, um, a couple hours from here, and she was going to be, it was a residential college. But their policies last August, she could not abide by them. So she had to make the rough decision one week before she was supposed to move in. And she was so looking forward to all of that. She had to make the decision to stay home because her integrity would not allow her to submit to those regulations. And she was kind of that, that really threw her for a loop, but it was a really good experience for her to realize that sometimes life will throw you a curveball and you need to readjust. Also, sometimes God uses curveballs to redirect your life. Yes. Right. So she, she was pretty down about the whole thing, but she's like, well, I want to be productive. So last fall, she opened up her own business called Girl Friday and she was cleaning and organizing and tutoring and just doing odd jobs. It was an odd jobs business. She had a fair amount of business, then wanted to do more. So she started taking some online classes in biblical counseling, which she is still taking. And she volunteered as the stage manager for the homeschool production uh, musical that was being done this past year. And that was her sweet spot. Mm -hmm. Because she's an organizational just guru. And so she found a really good place for herself there. And then, what, two weeks ago, she was hired by a lawyer in our town mm. uh, to be his office manager slash paralegal. And she she doesn't have it yet a credit in college, but yet he saw her skill set uh. and said, I want you to do this. So she's doing great. And Abby is 19 now. She actually got married three weeks before her high school graduation. Um, She had met the love of her life when she was 16 and a half, and he's a wonderful, godly young man. We love him. And originally, before she met him, she was going to go to a discipleship training school in England. This was all before COVID as well. And then she was going to go to nanny school in Ohio. She was going to be this international nanny. And then she met Gabriel, and that changed everything. And so I think she thought for a while she would go to NWTC, which is the community college here, and she was well-prepared for that. And she was enrolled and she was going to get going. And she got a full-time job in a Montessori preschool last August. And so she has spent the last year working with two-year-olds, loving it, coming home absolutely exhausted (laughs) in a good way. And she may eventually get her degree in early childhood, but where she's at right now, she doesn't need it. And she is being very productive. And what's really cool is if she decides to get a degree, that college has a a credit for experience program. So a lot of her credits might already be earned by her work experience. And what's been so cool about this is, you know, I was, maybe you were like this too, and maybe it was our generation. You graduate high school, you go to four-year college, you just do it, right? right? And it was good stretch for me to learn through this. And I knew it, but then you get to live it, Mm -hmm. that there are so many ways to launch successfully mm. into adult life. It there doesn't sure just are. have to be that culturally, that cultural norm. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. And especially because I think I didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. 
And oh, what I learned, I, you know, working at the hospital, I probably wouldn't have ever started working at the hospital as a nurse's aide in the heart unit. I just applied overall. Well, when I started to work there, I was taught how to draw blood. And Mm -hmm. I I mean, there were so many things that I learned just by myself, just living life. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So good. So our kids are doing well in each of their, they have each of their own paths and it'll be really exciting to see what happens as each of them goes forward. (laughs) Ah, we did it. We homeschooled our kids all the way up and now they're adults living life. (laughs) And so moms out there, dads out there, take heart, enjoy your children. Don't be worried about getting through all the curriculum and all the pages and, you know, we clearly were all over the place. And look, our kids are just fine. <laughs> Don't ever think you need to finish five lessons in two days because you're behind. Don't do that. Just enjoy life. The kids will, you know, the Lord has a way of working it out. He's called them yep. and he's called you. So he will bring you all the way through. Thank you for joining us. This is our second podcast. We are so delighted to talk with you today and hopefully just to to share our joy with you and in our journey.